All right, welcome to Ampere Amplified. This is a short stack. We're talking about SMT today with Naren Nayak. Naren, what brings us here to talk about SMT in the cloud? Does SMT belong in the cloud? Good question. So SMT, let's let's just you know set the context for SMT. SMT, simultaneous or symmetric multi-threading, is a technology that's been around for a while. I believe since the 60s, maybe when IBM first researched this. This is a way to extract more efficiencies out of uh, a microprocessor core, a pipeline essentially, right? And it has worked well in the past for companies like Intel. Where Intel actually, you know, started this with the Pentium 4 in the early 2000s. Uh, and it, it's a technology that in many ways exposes two cores to the operating system when really there is only one core underneath. So my understanding is that you, you take a core and you chop up part of the resources so that they are shared amongst two different threads. And you also duplicate some of the resources so that you can have uh, multiple architectural contexts executing simultaneously. Uh, yeah. So so SMT or simultaneous multi-threading duplicates the, the architectural state while keeping all the underlying resources like caches and execution units the same. And they are shared between two programs or two threads. So you can think of one program as being stalled on getting data from memory. Uh, at that time, uh, you can run, the operating system can schedule another program or another thread to fill up, essentially fill up the bubbles in the pipeline. So, so it was I, invented. It was invented for a particular reason, and it had some economic viability about 20 years ago. Uh, but that seems to have changed now. Do you want to talk about how things are changing with the current workloads in the cloud? Yeah. To, to be clear, SMT still has some value in certain markets because it is heavily workload dependent. You can think of the best case scenario for SMT as two different programs running completely different things where they don't conflict with each other. You know, the worst case as two different programs that are running exactly the same thing, contending for the exact same resources and in the process hurting each other. So the, the former scenario is something that has worked well in the past with, you know, client programs, like the, the kind of programs, applications you would run on laptops. But in the modern cloud, where you or the CSP themselves don't have control over the different applications that are running, because of the multi-tenancy of the cloud, it has become increasingly difficult to ensure that what is running on these simultaneous multi-threaded cores are well-behaved. So it leads to uh, problems that are prevalent in the cloud these days. Some of them are called noisy neighbor problems, where you don't, you're, you're, you're essentially not aware of what is running, quote-unquote, beside you and how they might affect your performance. So I know that you have a, I've heard you talk about a really good analogy for SMT, if you want to talk about that. Oh yeah, yeah, like th this This is amazing. So uh, I like thinking about SMT as uh, a two bedroom apartment. So you have a choice. You can live in a one bedroom apartment or a two bedroom apartment. In a two bedroom apartment, you have uh, access to more resources, right? You have two bedrooms. But if you have a roommate, now let's say that you and your roommate are living in this two bedroom apartment, and the shared resource is the bathroom and the kitchen and the kitchen cupboards and so on. So if you need to get up and go to class on time at 9 a.m., and if your roommate is sitting there in the bathroom at 8.50, well, 
well, now there's a resource contention issue and you won't be able to get to your class on time, right? Um, that's one of the things about a, um, a shared resource. When you have noisy neighbors, their overlapping requirements prevent them from getting equal amount of throughput, right? And later on, you may come home and you're using the kitchen to cook your food and then your roommate comes home and he wants to also use the kitchen and well, sorry, now you're using that resource and getting the throughput while he is not, right? So that's that's uh, one one way to explain how SMT works in, in a microprocessor. Um, and there's also other problems there. When you start getting into your security implications, these threads aren't supposed to know what each other is doing. However, I'm using the milk in the fridge at a certain rate and the roommate sees that. Now there's a little bit of data transfer through a side channel, right? Through any kind of shared resource, there's a side channel availability that lets the adversary figure out something that they should not otherwise know. And that's just uh, how SMT is designed. Right, and and the subtle difference between the two, uh, which you know, the first one you would call a noisy neighbor problem, and the second one would be you know something akin to a a, a nosy neighbor, is yeah. the, the the first one. At least you can tell something's wrong when something is wrong. Uh, you can tell that hey, you know, my performance was X, uh, you know, transactions per second, and now it's it's half. That um, it could be because of a noisy neighbor. The the insidious thing about the the nosy neighbor is you, you don't know it's even happened, right? Yep. If your if your neighbor's spying on your like in in your example the you know the rate of consumption of milk or maybe even snooping on your financial records, how would you yep. know, right? Um, and some of this can be mitigated in the real world. Uh, again, going back to that analogy, uh, the the noisy neighbor problem could easily be mitigated by having a calendar. Uh, you know, one, one your roommate could take a shower at a certain time, and um, you know you could take one at a different time, and you'd you'd both be okay. Uh, in the real world, running you know cloud applications in a multi-tenant environment, uh, it's almost impossible. Well, I would say it's impossible because you don't really have control over what your neighbor's running in the cloud. Yep, yep. So you know, many years ago, in the advent of SMT in the Intel processors. It was economically viable because this was being used in client CPUs. And now on my desktop or laptop, I'm able to perhaps render my videos faster with higher throughput, or I can I can encode more MP3s. Because it's all enclosed in my system, perhaps I don't have any neighbors to share with. It's just me. But that's changed now with cloud tenancies. You have many different customers that are maybe sharing one uh, high high core count SOC. Is that right? That, that's absolutely right, right? And I, I would say rule of thumb is if you own your infrastructure and you're running you know, monolithic software stacks where you typically don't have a stringent service level agreement requirements, then yeah, I mean, SMT has some value, right? It gives you a decent amount of performance. It's not a huge hit to power, but again, that is not the case in the cloud. You are going to be running different workloads. Typically today you are running microservices and you know tight SLAs, stringent requirements are uh, the norm today. I would say one of the biggest problems for cloud service providers today is giving customers ex quote unquote extra performance, having them run better at certain times of the day and having to you know take that 
performance away because of noise enabled and having to explain that to customers is a significant challenge. Cloud service providers work around these problems today, but our fundamental principle is you shouldn't have to. If you design cores without SMT in mind, with predictability in mind, with some of the requirements that the cloud has today, then you won't ever run into these problems. It feels like CSPs like guaranteed performance. CSPs like guaranteed performance, even if that performance at times could be lower, but as long as that is consistent and predictable, that is really what they want to pass on to their customers. And that, that way they're able to sell that guaranteed performance at, at a higher value. That's exactly right. One thing that comes to mind also is that processors with SMT are designed in such a way that if you turn off the SMT, you're leaving a lot of unused area on the SOC. The customers at the end of the day pay for that, right? So even though they might start getting guaranteed performance, it's a lot costlier for that guaranteed performance. Correct. And that, that part is a bit counterintuitive in the sense that, you know, all the problems we talked about that SMT has, uh, one would think is just as simple as turning SMT off in the BIOS. And you wouldn't have to worry about this. You've got real big cores and, you know, you don't have noisy neighbors anymore. You don't have nosy neighbors anymore. The reality is it's a lot more difficult than that. Uh, from a customer point of view, yes, there is value to having real cores, always value to having real cores compared to virtual cores. But from a cloud service provider's point of view, you know, that can wreak havoc on their revenue models, right? The density, if you turn SMT off, the main unit of compute in the public cloud today is a vCPU. There is no strong definition for a vCPU. It is either a core or a thread, depending on the architecture you use. And the number of vCPUs that you are able, that a cloud service provider is able to run on a specific CPU is the fundamental capability of, of that CPU. That has direct implications on revenue because it is the density. It's how many customers you can run on a CPU socket. So turning SMT off drastically drops that. I mean, if you think about a 64 core CPU, it's 128 logical cores. If you turn SMT off, now you've got 64 vCPUs instead of the 128 that you had. So imagine renting out four vCPU virtual machines to customers. The number of VMs that you can now run is exactly half. So you're from, from a density point of view, uh, that's a big hit. Performance obviously takes a hit. Overall socket level performance takes a hit because, hey, it's, SMT has been around for a while. There's a reason it's around. You might get something like 20% extra performance. Now that performance goes away. Also, SMT on, you know, for client workloads, it does have good energy efficiency improvements, as in you get kind of 20% performance maybe for like a 5% increase in power, which is an overall win from an energy efficiency point of view. Now, if you turn off SMT, again, that goes away. So, you know, SMT has problems. Turning off SMT leads to other problems. So we recognize that SMT for the cloud is a fundamentally flawed microarchitectural concept. But we know that there's a better path forward. What's the, what's the better way to design cores for cloud native? Listen to your customer. 
I think that's the that's the summary here, right? If you listen to cloud service providers, if you look at the kind of workloads that they're running, software has evolved a lot over the last 10 years in the cloud. Uh, software is now being built from the ground up for scale out. You know, lots of cores, having lots of cores that are capable, that are single-threaded to begin with, that were designed from the ground up to be single-threaded, not with hyper-threading and disabling it. You know, higher levels of energy efficiency and you know, better usage of uh, die space. Those are the things that cloud service providers care about today. Uh, predictability of performance, side-channel attacks, you know, mitigation for side-channel attacks, and those are things that cloud service providers care about. And those are exactly the, the ones that uh, we've taken into account when we've designed you know, uh, Ampere's Ultra Max and Ultra Processor. Yeah, and, and going forward, right? When you, when you choose to make a cloud-native core, what you can do is create the right size of buffers. You don't need to have any extra overhead for architectural context resources. And as a result, your core can be high performant, but smaller in area. And if the core is smaller in area, you can cram more of them on the same size SOC. And those are now all guaranteed performance cores that allow for a lot more vCPUs and lower TCO. And, and let's be clear, these, these smaller cores that you're talking about, they're, they're not small anymore. I mean, we've got decent amount of performance with each of these cores running at you know 3.3 gigahertz at times and very predictably running at those high frequencies. And we've got big buffers. So these are not the, the wimpy cores from 10 years ago. Yep, yep. And as per the wimpy core paper that you just alluded to, right? Wimpy cores versus brawny cores from Google. I would say the, the upcoming cores in Ampere 1 are brawny cores. So very cool. Thanks, Naren. We had a little chat there about SMT in the cloud, or maybe it shouldn't be in the cloud. So thanks for listening, and see you next time on Short Stacks by Ampere Amplify. Thanks, much.